Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 197 of the All Dolphins podcast on this day after the Dolphins were eliminated from the playoffs. Let me get ready for my history lesson. Sorry? I said, let me get ready for my history lesson. There you go. Well, there are a couple of things that we got going on here. First off, today is January 14th, which means it's the now the 52nd anniversary of the Dolphins completing their perfect season with a 14-7 victory against the Washington Redskins. Woohoo! Seven. Yeah. Uh, still a feat unmatched in NFL annals uh, going through a regular season and the playoffs undefeated. And this is a little tidbit from that particular game. That's most older Dolphin fans would know. That and had, the younger ones like me would have no idea. Probably not. It, had it not been for the ridiculous Garo Yapremian gaff, when he had a field goal attempt block, it came right back to him. And then he tried to throw a pass and basically just flubbed it straight up into the air, returned for a touchdown, which made the final score 14 to 7. Had instead he made the field goal, it would have been 17 nothing, 17 nothing final score for a 17 and 0 season. Let, let me let me ask you a question um, and understand that I know about the 72 team, don't know much about the 72 team other than what I was told. If they made a 30 for 30 documentary on it, do you think people would watch and care? No. Why? Because it's 50 years old. Okay. Uh, um, so why the hell we keep bringing it up? In again, because it's a feat. Of, well, NFL Network has done some stuff on it, uh, and our good friend Dave Hyde wrote a book, mm-hmm. which I edited. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. I look back called "Still Perfect," which is an excellent book. Highly recommended if you're a Dolphin fan. Which told stories from that season and catching up with guys years after the fact. Very, very good. Um, but a thirty for thirty, I'm not sure. Again, that, but NFL Network did something. They did something on the Dolphins' backfield. Um, Zonka kick and Mercury Morris uh, and then Shula's had like a, per, a perfect life. I think it was called or something, a football life, whatever, something like that. So it's, it's been done. A couple of quick other things uh, on the live recap podcast Saturday night, we didn't do retrospective of 96 to match the episode number. That was Jimmy Johnson's first year. Dolphins ended the season eight and eight didn't make the playoffs. Uh, the big story there was that they had a first a, their first thousand yard rusher, rookie third round pick Kareem Abdul Jabbar, for the first time since 1978. Mm-hmm. So they ended quite a long drought. Uh, so 1997, J- Jimmy Johnson's second year at the helm, the Dolphins did make the playoffs. They finished nine and seven. And this was one of those rare instances you see in the NFL where you face the same team in the regular season finale and the playoffs. In- New England. Correct. No, you're looking at the media guys. I'm cheating, yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, but you, you may, I don't know if you remember the fabulous quote. Uh, I'll tell you in a second. Dolphins lost the regular season finale at home 14 12. 
lost a playoff game 17 to three at New England um, with stories about how the New England defenders knew the Dolphins plays before they were coming, which led to, among other things, a pick six. And after the game, Dolphin offensive coordinator Gary Stevens famously said about his offense, you can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Um, that had Kareem. It's not in the media guide. No, that had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Marino, mm-hmm. McDuffie, Troy Drayton, and I guess that was kind of the only other receiver because I'm looking at the receiver list and it's kind of thin. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, McPhail's Lamar Thomas, Perryman. Well, I'm assuming that's Brett Perryman, who was older than dirt. Um, and some guy named Jordan. Who was this Jordan guy? Scored three touchdowns. It was Charles Jordan, who the Dolphins had gotten from Green Bay. I should also add that 1997 was the, the year the Dolphins drafted both Sam Madison and Jason Taylor. Mm-hmm. In the second mm-hmm. and third rounds, respectively, after taking Yatil Green from the University of Miami in the first round, due to an ACL, first yeah. training camp, second training camp, career over. Mm-hmm. And I, I often see him on lists of draft busts for the Dolphins. I mean, people, the dude tore an ACL, two straight training camps. Cut him some slack. One of my first ever Dolphins practices I covered as an intern with the Sun Sentinel. I think I've shared this story on the podcast before. That was when I learned Marino had a potty mouth. Um, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I remember because we were at that time, Jimmy Johnson allowed like media members on the field so you could hear everything. And Marino chewed out Yatil Green for dropping passes. And then he said, and I heard with my own ears, if you drop one more mother bleeping pass, I'm never going to bleeping throw you the mother bleeping ball ever again. This is this guy's rookie season. Yeah. He goes out and I'm, 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 a, I understand I'm like a 20 year old intern. I don't even think I could drink at that time. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is how they talk in the NFL. Yatil runs the route deep. He's wide open. Marino throws in the ball. Yatil bubbles the ball again. Falls. ACL torn. That's it. Marino put up. I I remember that. It was probably just another practice for you. But I remember that day like it was yesterday. Because understand, that was like my first, like, time covering the NFL and Jimmy Johnson and Dan Marino and Yatil Green and you know and like I had never known Jimmy uh, that Dan Marino cursed like <laughs> oh my god like every fourth word was a curse word yeah uh yeah and this is why I know there's some people who are like surprised when they when they watch hard knocks and see Mike McDaniel cursing like a sailor but yeah it happens yeah Okay, let's bring it back to the future and future. You mean present? Well, sorry, we present. Already looking ahead. Uh, normally, this would be the day when Mike McDaniel and Chris Greer would have their season ending press conference together, and it would be locker clean out, David, because of the travel situation. That's going to take place tomorrow. So, we'll have a lot to talk about on the show. Does that sound like artistic on the show? As opposed on to the show, on, the, on podcast. the podcast, on these airwaves uh, tomorrow, today is autopsy day, baby. Sorry, it's autopsy, autopsy day. There you go. Yeah, postmortem. Um, yeah, and then a day after, it's not any prettier than it was. So Omar suggested 
<laughs> I actually, I actually tried to uh, watch the game last night again. Oh man, that it was worse the second time around than the first. Um, but anyway, continue. Let's continue. Yeah. No, I was going to say that Omar suggested, and instead of rehashing the painful reality of that game, that we each come up with our first or top five reasons why the season went south. And what we're going to do is Omar's going to give us top five. I'll give my top five. Then we'll revisit each of those and discuss. These Omar. are not excuses. <laughs> I love how you. I love how you have to preface that. Understand, these are not excuses because. If we, when we began the season, and I do stand on this, the expectation, the hope, the the statement of everybody unilaterally viewed moving forward as a franchise required the winning of a playoff game, correct? That, and I don't think that that was an unreasonable bar to create. Correct. So these are not excuses for why the season fell short. Okay, let me guess. Your 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 top five reasons are going to be five injuries. Is that what? (laughs) (laughs) Well, since you uh, (laughs) want to jump ahead and get into my five reasons, go ahead. um, Let let's let's begin my five reasons by saying uh, your offense was trash in the final month of the season. It just was. Uh, And I do know you had the number one offense in the NFL during the entire season. But who can argue and debate the fact that the offense was trash in the final month of the season? I don't think we're not not debating that right now because you're supposed to just give your list. Yes, 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 yes. yes. So, you know. In the, in, in the seven games versus winning teams this season, the Dolphins averaged 15.8 points uh, and two had a one and six record. Um, that includes the final. The team had a one and six record. Okay. Yeah. Um, so let's get into my five reasons. And we begin with um, five reasons the season collapsed. Number one for me. Your top four playmakers on offense were all injured. Okay. That's the final month of the season. Waddle, Hill, Mostert, HM. Nobody else on your team really made a play this year except for those four people. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody else who made a play. I, I really can't think of anybody. Who? Who's the number two reason? Okay, number two reason. You're, you're going against a format we had agreed upon. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just articulating. Number okay. two is the Dolphins' defense got watered down by injuries. Okay, we know what the injuries are. We can discuss them. Um, McDaniel's half number three. McDaniel's halftime adjustments were lacking. Um, maybe I shouldn't just say McDaniel, but the coaching staff's halftime adjustments were lacking. Uh, number four. Tua wasn't clutch. He had six opportunities to deliver fourth quarter wins or ties. He only succeeded twice. Um, that's two of two of six. Uh, and then the final reason that the Dolphins season collapsed is this franchise struggles with their offense, running their offense, not a semblance of their offense, but running their offense on the road. Yeah, I don't think it's 
you know, you can you can say the exceptions were there were exceptions, but flat out they can't run their offense on the road. So they're only a home team. Okay. All right. Um, okay, I'm gonna go in reverse order. Okay. Don't ask me why, because I feel like doing it. And then number two, I don't pinpoint any players, and I'll explain why later on. I know this is shocking to you, but I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. So uh, I have to look closely because I'm blind. I decided to take off my glasses to try to, I don't know, look different. Uh, Number five, special teams breakdowns at bad moments. Okay. Number four. Uh, Only in like the final two games, correct? Correct. But they were were key games at a time when, again, we were going to discuss this later, but uh, that's fair enough that they were mostly – Relegated to those two games. Number four is for short yardage offense. The uh, poor short yardage offense? Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. Well, I said short yardage offense and by implication, poor. Yes. Number three, I'm like with you, second half adjustments. Uh, and the fact that they scored 15 points in the second half of their final four games combined is pretty bad indictment. Number two, you'll love this one, injuries. Okay. Uh, more so on defense than on offense. I mean, when you're losing it, they played the playoff game yesterday without five opening day starters. Uh, again, we'll discuss later. And then number one, this is going to be a, a curveball. The Dolphins basically were exposed for what they are as a team. That the, that the season that, okay, you want me to we'll start explaining this one? Okay. Yes. What I mean by that is, is not so much that the Dolphins collapsed, is that the, Dol- the Dolphins were revealed, unveiled for who they were as a team, which is a team that abuses bad teams uh, and absolutely cannot rise up to the level of competition. And when they and they, they play really good teams, they're just not good enough to match up. They were one in six, I think, including the playoff game against playoff teams. And that was a... Uh, squeaky win against Dallas, which is a notoriously bad road team. And then in a lot of games, they were overmatched. They were overmatched against the Chiefs for whatever reason, overmatched against the Chiefs. They were overmatched in the first Buffalo game, even though it was relatively close. They were overmatched at Philly. Um, I wouldn't say they were overmatched the first KC game. They were overmatched last night. The second Buffalo game, it was close in score. But you look at the yardage again as a 200-yard difference. Um, And to me... And if you look at their wins, uh, their strength of victory per- percentage based on the opponent's winning percentage of the teams they beat is really bad. Look at the bottom of the AFC standings. It's New England, Chargers, Raiders, Denver. I forget who. And it's basically all teams the Dolphins beat. And then you look at the NFC, you have Carolina, the Giants, Washington. Those are the teams the Dolphins beat. You play um, on your schedule. I understand, I understand that. But what I'm saying is that it kind of maybe fooled us, and I'm going to plead guilty. I actually thought the Dolphins were better than they actually are, but this is who they are. They're not a team that can compete with the big boys. I don't like what that when people say that. You know this. We've discussed this the whole season. You play your schedule. Anybody could get you. Tennessee is proof of that. Tennessee, that, that one loss soiled your entire season. Um, and Okay, here, time out. Here, here's the thing. And that's a very, very easy target that Tennessee lost, spoiled your season. Is it are not you, are you, are you, 
is it not is it not a fact but are you that confident they win if they play a playoff game at home instead of on the road no i i don't i don't think that because who would they have played you you give me the rayman if they had won that game who would they played in the first round? Well, if Buffalo had beaten the Dolphins, then well, then they would have had Pittsburgh, which is not a great team. No, no, so no, 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 no. If they had beaten Bills, let's say they get a miraculous victory and they had beaten Bills, and oh, they no, no, but that's the point. To me, and that's the point I'm making is what the final games revealed is that the Dolphins are not as good as the Bills. They're not in that class. Yes. So you're saying, are you telling me that they would have played the Bills? Who would they have hosted? No, I think they, I think they would have. Again, they played things. The rest of the season plays out the way it did. Then I think they get they would have gotten Pittsburgh. And they and then Pittsburgh's not a great playoff team. So okay, they, so they would have. So if they had beaten the Bills last week, they would no, have no. no. Tell yeah, they me, have, yes, they would have gotten Pittsburgh. But I'm saying they were not. They were not going to beat the Bills. Okay. Yes, I know they were not going to beat the Bills, but okay. Well, if they had done what they needed to do, they probably could have beaten Pittsburgh. And oh, we I, probably... I agree because Pittsburgh's not a great team, and then they would have gotten smacked the next round instead. Correct. Yes. I mean, I'm not talking. As I said from the very beginning, three two weeks ago, when Xavier Howard went down, like Super Bowl talk done. And I'll throw in Bradley Chubb on that as well, even before the Andrew Van Giegel. See, my my view that they were no longer Super Bowl contenders were when they lost Howard and and Jalen and um and and Bradley Chubb. Like I was comfortable with Van Ginkel and you could figure it out. But then when you lost everybody else, it was like, come on, let's let's be realistic here. You're not you're not the same team anymore. But maybe they could have beaten Pittsburgh, but there's no chance that you were going to beat Buffalo, in my opinion. And Baltimore. I, I, or oh yeah, yeah, you're not going to beat Baltimore. Um, but those are also the two teams that I think are the Super Bowl contenders in the AFC. And you're not, you're just not there yet. But or, or Kansas City. Because here's, here's the thing. I think to eh, me, put that on a neutral site. But hold on, they did play in a neutral site in KC one. Uh, although it was a game the Dolphins could have won. Here's the thing where I would agree with you to a certain degree that the had the defense remained where it was in, in terms of personnel, it gave them a fighting chance. But let's also not pretend that the, the defense was infallible because I think at the time of the Tennessee collapse, they had pretty much all of their guys except for, yeah. for Phillips and Holland. Uh, was ten, No, Tennessee. Tennessee, Xavier got hurt, but he finished that game. Um, yes. Uh, so the you defense know. was not infallible is what I'm trying to say. And the offense – and the offense, for all the good that it does, is not good enough right now. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. Um, which which gets into my one of mine, which is they're just not the same team on on the road that they are at home, and that's an offensive thing. Um, I want to address. Uh, I you know I don't like the fact that you say and continue to say they don't they aren't good against good teams. Well, the majority of the times that they played good teams, they played them on the road. And I know you're going to say Kansas City and on a neutral field. And, okay, I can kind of agree with that. But that leads into my argument where – played Buffalo at home. Yeah, you played Buffalo at home, and you, you had your opportunities. But that was that was also a game where you're, you've, you've got very limited offensive weaponry. And I'm not making excuses. But you also gave a 450. And again, even last year, they lost to Green Bay at home. And then they also lost. And Green Bay didn't make the playoffs. Uh, But this was during their their run at the end of the season. And they lost. They they beat Buffalo at home in a game that they got outgained by 250 yards. And can we admit that they were lucky to win that game? 
tremendously lucky. Um, and that was more luck than it was execution. Um, but I, I just don't, I never buy into, oh, they can't be good opponents or can't be good teams. To me, it comes down to execution within against bad teams and good teams. And unfortunately they didn't, they failed to execute against the good teams and they managed for various reasons. And a lot of the opponent makes it tougher. The, the better opponent makes it tougher than, than you're playing a civ defense. That's like, okay, here you go. Here you go. Could be the fact that you were playing on a, at home versus on the road. And I, I don't know. Um, we yeah. both had injuries in there. I, I lumped it in for, for two of my justifications why the season went south. Um, I am sorry. Name me. I'm taking a healthy Waddle, Tariq, and I know Tariq played the majority of – he only missed one game. But let's – was it Tariq that we know Tariq? No. Okay. It was like a, a very good receiver, not the best receiver in the game. Um, so no Waddle, no Tariq. No Mostert, who led the, who tied for the lead in in, in rushing touchdowns, um, and Achan playing, but not really all the way himself. Now, fastest, I mean, highest yard per carry average in NFL history, yes, uh, but was he playing at a hundred percent? No, I but think who is at this time of year again. To me, if they're in the lineup, sorry, I'm not buying. I'm not going with that. Okay. That's I'll fair. give you I'll give you the injuries on defense because guys were actually out. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So no, none of my injuries on offense count because some of those guys. It's not that they don't count. Is is I don't want to put too much stock in them because you're basically suggesting now that the people covering Tyreek were fresh as daisies and no, no injuries whatsoever. No, they weren't. But it's a lot easier. I mean, we will acknowledge and admit that the game, the defense, how defense played Miami, completely changed when Waddle was out of the lineup. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yeah, but he wasn't out all the time. He wasn't out every game again when they played good teams and they couldn't get anything done offensively. That's all season. I'm talking about the final month of the season. Okay. When want to, want to leave Dallas. No, correct. But he was there yesterday. Yeah, was he? he had a couple of catches. He was there. He was there. He was there. Was he good? He was there. Again, I'd have to look at the all 22 to see to see how he was running his routes and whether it was not getting the ball to him and was he open? I mean, I mean, I they, weren't, they weren't throwing anything deep anyway. So it, it really didn't matter. Right. Um, so why, why would I fear him and, and, and change and alter my approach when literally nobody's, nobody's running deep and they were ultra aggressive in the box and pressing and hitting and taking away the screens. They feared nothing Miami did. And whether it was the elements or whether it was the injuries, I don't know, but they played Miami. Oh, you, oh, you know, you know, you don't want to say it, but you know. All right, let's move on to the next topic. <laughs> hey, he threw a deep ball to Tyreek. All right, it happened. It it happened sure. in the game. Sure, it happened. I know. Great play, great play by Tyreek. 
<laughs> All right, touche. Well, second half adjustments, we both had that on our list. Um, I don't know what to think about that because this is not something that I thought all season. This is not something that was problematic all season. It just became problematic in the final month of the season, primarily when you were coaching up against superior coaches, in my opinion. Um, excuse, what were you saying? Or better teams. <laughs> uh, no, oh, no, 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 no. Okay. They well, I'm going to check, check right now. Go, go ahead and continue your point. I'm going to check. They are, they are better teams, but they're also filled with better coaches. Harbaugh, Andy Reid. Um, Sean McDermott? Really, huh? Sean, Sean McDermott? Yeah, I guess so. I guess he's a superior coach, um, especially from a defensive standpoint. And, you know. Okay, Omar, Omar, here you go. Six points in the second half of Buffalo in October. Seven points in the second half at Philadelphia. Uh, Casey, they did have two two third quarter touchdowns. And then we have what happened at, down at the stretch. It wasn't, it wasn't good. Um, I don't, I would need to do more of a deep dive and an analysis, uh, and look into it. Um, this is just something that just flared up on me recently. And I think the opponent and the the situations of the game kind of change your approach. The one thing that I will say that I had did notice throughout the season was, and, and hard knocks really helped me uncover it when two is pressing, he, he presses and there's. There's a there's a dial down effect that Mike McDaniel's had been working trying to work with him to kind of get him to play more composed as opposed to pressing, and I think he's a different quarterback when he's pressing. Um, that's something that he's going to have to work through, and that's something that that he's going to have to uh, adapt and adjust in 2024 to be a more even keeled quarterback. Um, because I don't necessarily think that it's a major problem, but it is a problem when he's trailing. And when he starts to press and also to factor in teams play them differently when they develop a bigger lead and they start sitting onto his routes and that can become problematic at times. Is it an issue of pressing though? Or is it an issue of them taking away his first read? And then, then, then all of a sudden now he's got to rescan the field and. I I don't think he has a problem. And and I'm hearing this and I don't sit, I, I didn't, we weren't talking about this in the mo- earlier month of the season or last year because he didn't have to reset the the first the guys were were open quickly when when the guys are open quickly and he gets rid of the ball like this it it hums and it looks really really good and he racks up the huge numbers and we're talking MVP uh and it, and here's the thing it was the same thing last year when the Dolphins were eight and three and I know you were there were there were several people who were like you know. Who was an MVP candidate, and and actually he was in the conversation, and then all of a sudden they got to good teams. They started squeezing the middle of the field, and all of a sudden it went just like it did this year. Yes, I mean they squeeze the middle of the field, and it becomes a problem for Miami. And you know you now know how teams are play you and approach you, which is why we see all that horizontal stuff. If you're not stretching the field vertically and horizontally, the middle of the field is going to be compacted. So. That's why they did that. Now the question is, can they grow and evolve and counter that? And I, you know, that's what good coaching does. Um, unfortunately, it didn't happen in the final month of the season. But as I said in one of my five reasons why the season went south, what weapons did they have? 
You take those top four playmakers out of the game. Name me your best offensive weapon. Cedric Wilson, who made a, who made some plays down the field on the on the rare throws that Tua has made outside the numbers in recent weeks. And would Cedric Wilson be a number three receiver on ten yes, NFL yes, teams? Dude, yes. Let's not. Let's not. I, I'm asking the question. Name me. Uh, uh, what yeah. 10 NFL teams is would Cedric Wilson be at number three receiver? You, you, you're gonna do this, Omar. Okay, let, let, let me let me take 20 minutes and look at every team's no, no. We're, we're, on, we're, listen. What what receive what receiver? No, give me the number of receiver Cedric Wilson was coming out of training camp. We assumed he was a lot lower than that because we were expecting Braxton Barrios to play a big role. And what kind of role did Braxton Barrios wind up playing? Nothing. In terms of performance with your eyes, tell me he wasn't the third best receiver. On he the was team. the third best receiver, yeah. and he earned that role. Obviously, Correct. he clearly earned that role in practice. Okay. And that's, maybe an it's all, that's an indictment on the team and the, in personnel. Or maybe it's all of us, like, for maybe over underestimating what Wilson was based on the fact that he was completely forgotten last year and he didn't look good in training camp, Thank in you. his first training camp in that offense, and maybe we overestimated. And the second training camp. Don't act like he looked good last training camp. And maybe we – we no, no, I meant the last training camp. I didn't say anything about this one. Or maybe we overestimated – the guys that they brought in and like returning Izukama, who the Dolphins, not by any fault of his, but they got nothing out of him because he had the neck issue, um, you know. And then when then they bring in, and I know you were championing Robbie the entire year, and obviously the Dolphins didn't think necessarily a whole lot of him because they never practically never used him. And anyway, healthy scratch yesterday. And Chase Claypool, who the Dolphins made it a point to bother throwing a 20 20- with a 2025 six round pick, which is kind of nothing, but basically barely used the dude. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I think, yeah. what he was here breaking case of emergency situations, and emergency situations led to a drop in the end zone and and a circular route uh, that led to an interception on the final play, yeah, play of the season. I, I'm fine with that for a six round flyer. Uh, but except I'm gonna I'm gonna say that something I always say: if somebody's getting a former, a high second round pick gets traded twice in two years. Ask yourself, there's got to be a reason for that. It's yeah. not just always bad, bad circumstances or something like that. Mm-hmm. True. I'm, I'm not, I'm not sitting there arguing with you. I, I don't think he showed anything this season and, and I'd be shocked if he's even back, but you know, Hey, he's a free agent, he's a free agent so I can't, I can't imagine. Uh, yeah. uh, I believe he's a free agent. Yes. And he's a free agent. It, it, you never know. You never know how these things play out in terms of, what they'll do or what they'll offer or who they like or, or whether or not he wants to stay here and give it a try. I don't know. I, we got a whole off season to talk about the Miami Dolphins off season. And, and we will do that as you know, right here, all dolphins.com. We're not going anywhere. Free coverage, uh, a free coverage for a team that you love. And we'll be here during the off season. Um, you talked and about, that's a threat. sorry, go ahead. Huh? That's a threat. It's not a promise. It's a threat. Go ahead. <laughs> Hey, you talked about special teams, and I got to admit, oversight on my part, not saying that they were a bad unit, but they've had absolutely no threat to return anything all year. Um, Had some bad special teams moments in terms of blocks and, and, uh, and returns and in the pivotal stretch. Now, how much do you excuse that on having your units watered down by injuries? And I don't. why I don't you? When Brandon Jones and, and Elijah Campbell, every, every team has injuries. I don't want to. I don't want to 
make everything about injuries because we're going to go back. I, and the last thing I want the Dolphins to do is give themselves a false sense of security of like, hey, we'd have been great if that hadn't been for their injuries. Yes, they sucked, and maybe maybe they would have been more competitive. Sure, uh, but to put everything on that. And I did a story yesterday on alldolphins.com uh, talking about the special teams, which ranked 31st in longtime writer Rick Gosselin's annual special teams ranking, 31st out of 32. He basically ranks every team in 22 different statistical categories. And the other fact that the other stat, this is my, was my stat. They were one of only two teams in the NFL without a punt return of at least 20 yards or a kickoff return of at least 35 yards. And the other team that, that was in that category actually is kind of a Super Bowl favorite, and that's the 49ers. But the 49ers are better all around where they don't need necessarily the extra help. The Dolphins are not at the point where they couldn't use – I mean, be great if they had – a Jakeem Grant type of guy, uh, even the Chargers whose special teams were booty cheeks for many years, took a, a small guy from TCU. I think he wanted to make in the Pro Bowl. The Dolphins could use one of those guys. Braxton Berrios was very dependable, solid, but you don't have that explosiveness who can turn the game around. And that Buffalo game, chances are they don't win anyway without the punt return, but that play still turned the game around. Um. Absolutely. Uh, I I did not over- think about it. It was an oversight on my part um, in terms of special teams. Do you think that Crossman survives? Didn't think he would survive last year, if I'm going to be honest with you, because their special teams weren't good last year either. And he came back and by and for those who for, who comment about not us not asking the tough questions of Mike McDaniel, he literally was asked point blank why he brought Danny Crossman back. That doesn't get more blunt and, and direct than that. I, I can't imagine why he would bring him back. I can't. Uh, nothing nothing against Danny Crossman, but it's like he's been there since 2020. The special teams has not been great. There are some clear-cut stud special teams coaches. Dolphins had one of those when they had Darren Rizzi. Uh, but he interviewed for the head coaching job when they gave it to Flores, and he was like, bye-bye, I'm gone. Went to the Saints, and he's still there. Mm. I, I don't know how to answer that because I really don't, you know, um, you'd have to have the ability to hire a better coach and, and maybe he will, maybe he does. Um, we, we shall see. Um, poor short yardage offense. Last night again. And this was the drive, the, the, the drive they were down. I have to look at my, my play by play here. I hate it when I don't have that handy. Um, hold on. I apologize. This makes for bad television or video or whatever. So, yep, yeah, second drive, Dolphins down 7 nothing. Run the ball finally after their first drive, did nothing on the ground. Eight, six, five, four yards. Third and one from the KC 44. To a swing pass to Moser, it's off target. Fourth and one for another pass. Tua gets some pressure, rolls outside, throws to Tyreek. Very, very good defensive play. Over the back, a hair. Could they have flagged him for DPI? Sure, they've done that before, but it was more of a good play. Again, why are we throwing the ball in third and one, fourth and one? Jesus. And I and I know I know the I know the answer. I'm, that was a rhetorical question. It wasn't like um and and that's an element. Playoff teams also don't make it a habit of always. And this is where power versus finesse. What do you think? The, what do the Bills do on those situations? 
Josh Allen quarterback sneak. What do the Eagles do during those situations? Tush push. Okay, so it's always about the quarterback has to push it over. Get get get. No, what do the Ravens do? They'll hand off to Gus Edwards. Generally speaking, more often than not, and this is where again, this is a massive failing for the Dolphins. I mean, Alec Ingo played twelve snaps yesterday. Fullback, Pro Bowl fullback. Why is he playing twelve in the snow? Yeah, I'm 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 with you on that one. Uh, I'm absolutely with you on that one. Um. I don't know. Uh, second half adjustments, we both agreed upon. Um, uh, no perspective from you on Tua wasn't clutch? No, he wasn't. I mean, that's um, – but but again, if we're talking about how the, the season went south, like last night, he didn't have, he didn't have an opportunity to be clutch because they were out of the game. So it, So it wasn't – yeah, it's part of an issue. Um, I think Tua is a good quarterback. I don't think he's an elite quarterback, and I don't. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what his ceiling is. I have an idea of what I think it is, and it is what it is, as as the saying goes. Yeah. Um. I the evidence is there. I'd like to believe Tua is, is clutch. Um. I expected him to show that this season. He did not. Um, in too many instances, he fell short of, of meeting what my expectations were. Uh, the question is, can he continue to develop and grow and blossom in the third year in this offense with maybe some patched up areas, maybe a year of redefining his body, physical fitness, um, you know, scrambling, working on his, his, his athleticism. Did, did have two nice scrambles in that game. Um, yeah. But we shall see. This team will continue to evolve. Um, Mike McDaniel oh. talked about that. What's up? No, guys, I want to I want to bring this up because somebody asked me this or hit me up with this on on Twitter, bringing up the old Drew Brees comparison that it took him a while to get going and all that. And I get that. That's also it was twenty years ago when they weren't. And and this is that's not even a point that I I came up with. Somebody pointed that out that. Mm quarterbacks tend to develop quicker these days than they did in 20, 2001 because of all the passing camps, because of all the, the offseason stuff that they do. And you can give me like this all you want. I don't but, believe that. Okay, look at all the quarterbacks. They, yeah, they're all doing the Manning camps and, no, no. and the Elite 11s and all that kind of stuff. But what does that have to do to translate to real good football? And, because, and, and Hold on, because the offshoot of that is that they come to the NFL much more prepared. And then if you the evidence is, look at your top quarterbacks in the NFL. Most of these quarterbacks come hold to on, the NFL Omar, not, don't know point. how to make a call at the line. Don't know how to make a call. Can I finish my point? Yes. Look at the elite quarterbacks around the NFL and look how long it's taken them to get to the point where you like you knew that, 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 that guy's a dude. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, we're done, right? Well, they, I mean, who else are the really good quarterbacks in the NFL? We want to go. Uh, Jalen Hurts, how long did it take him? Although uh, we can argue okay. exactly how good you, Dak Prescott, did it, did, it, did it take him until his fifth year in the NFL? I mean, people are saying Dak Prescott still hasn't delivered. So, I, you know, I don't know. Okay. I, I, Joe Burrow, you're going to tell me Joe Burrow, it's take, it took him a okay. long time? The, uh, I think all of those individuals have better teams around them. That oh, allow- give me a break with that. Oh, Lord. So wow. uh, hold on, hold on. Lamar Jackson didn't inherit a Super Bowl contending team in 2018. No, Patrick Mahomes didn't inherit a Super Bowl contending team. 
He inherited a very good team, didn't he? You're going to tell me Patrick Mahomes' success from the time he's been in KC has been because of the team around him. No, I'm going to tell you he's a phenomenally talented player, but let's not pretend like he didn't inherit a team that kept going to the AFC championship game. He took over for Alex Smith. No, it didn't, and that's why they they brought in Mahomes because they weren't getting far enough with Alex Smith. They weren't getting far enough, but they were pretty damn far. They were pretty damn far. And I hate this. It's like. Don't don't do that. Constant excuse making. It's I'm always about excuses. You 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 mentioned the elite quarterbacks and okay, Josh Allen. Okay, total totally he did it himself. So I'm not nobody fighting. Omar. Nobody did it all by themselves. Everybody has has a a degree of help around them. But this notion that Tua has nothing around them, has never had anything around them. I didn't These say other he guys, has nothing around them. I didn't that. That's not what I said. That's not what I said. Okay, and what I'm saying is, he, we've been. It's been four years now. At okay. this point, we should have a pretty good idea who he is as a quarterback. Yeah, uh, I have a pretty good idea. Okay, in the years, in the years before Patrick Mahomes became the the starting quarterbacks, lost individual round, lost individual round, lost in the wild card. Not one AFC Championship game appearance there. Okay, so that's that's for Patrick. Oh, so Patrick Mahomes inherited a playoff team. Okay, gotcha. And Tua when Tua became the starter in twenty twenty, with the best with the best head coach in the NFL. Sorry? With the best head coach in the NFL. Andy Reid's the best head coach in the NFL. And when Are you debating Lamar, that? When Lamar, hold on. When Lamar Jackson was drafted, the, the Ravens had not made the playoffs the, past, the previous three years. So, Really? They, yes. they won a Super Bowl the year before that, though. No, they won a Super Bowl in 2012. Lamar Jackson was drafted in 2018. So, no. They didn't make the playoffs for three years before Lamar Jackson took over? Yeah. yeah. I actually just looked it up. I didn't. That's not Rain Man stuff. I just looked it up. Wow, did not know that. Okay. Damn, Joe Flacco wasn't lifting them like to the heights that they were accustomed to. Curious what their record was. And my, my point remains, I said what I said. It normally doesn't take a quarterback five years to get to that level where that guy's a dude. And Drew I'm Brees. not saying. Drew Brees, it took six. 2001, okay. But. I mean, I'm not. And a, I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm saying, generally speaking, you kind of know. Yeah. On that note, we will be back tomorrow, where we will wrap up uh, what the end of season press conferences with Mike McDaniel, Chris Greer, um, sort of begin chartering a course for the off season. Obviously, you know how to find all our work, alldolphins.com, um, right there for free. Tell a friend. We will be here all off season. We thank you for your continued support. Um, we thank you for the growth that we've seen in less than one year because we haven't even been doing this for a year. Um, uh, we will actually be beginning season two of the All Dolphins podcast. I think we should begin season two probably when we, we hit 200 episodes. I think 200 is a nice round number um, to wrap up season one. So hopefully you'll continue to be here with us. And as we've said previously, we don't know what we're doing. You tell us what we're doing. Hit us in the comments. We'll check them out. We'll stock the comments. And hopefully you can give us some ideas how to continue to feed you what you want to eat. On that note, we are out. Appreciate you, Pupard. And I will see you tomorrow. Bye, Kancho, Mark.
What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.